Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Raglan, and I'm delighted to be coming back to you another week. This week's guest is a life coach, creative consultant, space holder, and speaker, Megan Johnson. Megan, welcome, and What's Your Bliss? Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, what is my bliss? Gosh, this is such a big question because I feel like I enjoy doing so many things and a lot of things bring me bliss, I suppose. Um, But I feel like what comes to mind is just the ongoing process of learning how to live well. Um, I love pursuing things. I love following my dreams. And um, along with that, then it's also learning how to juggle, okay, well, like, dreams with life and dreams with the everyday mundane. And I think that that's also a beautiful part of my bliss is finding joy in the mundane. And so, yeah, just learning how to live life well, that would be my simple response anyways. (laughs) Awesome. When do you think that kind of philosophy took hold of you? Was that something that you've always felt? Is that something that came more as, you know, you've become an adult? What, what, What do you think brought on that that bliss of learning to live well? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, If I think of growing up, I more so was very driven, which I'm I'm still Mm. very driven, but I I had more at stake, I feel like. Like I knew I wanted to, to make something of my life, I suppose. And so at that time, I think I was less focused on living well. And it's an, like an ongoing you know, process, like I'd mentioned, but I think I was less focused on it then. But I feel like it's shifted, honestly, the more that I've experienced failure, because the more we experience failure, so whether that's in um, work or like I've started and closed multiple businesses or pivoted business, businesses and things like that. And I think the more we experience failure, both in life and in work, the more we realize what's most important and like what is still there for us when failure occurs. Um, always, you know, getting wisdom from failure, but also who's there for us when failure occurs and and what parts of life are still there for us when failure occurs. So I feel like that's kind of what just in the past, I don't know, five years or so, especially it's become more prominent and more important to become focused on living life. Well, not that I am a expert by any means at all. (laughs) When you think of living life, well, what, what does that mean for you? How would you break that down into daily or otherwise, like, what does that, what does that living look like? What is that? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. I think the first thing like practically for me is, um, it is establishing my values. So looking at what do I value in life and then living with integrity is living according to those values. So kind of mirroring like internally having what, what I feel internally match the external, um, you know, shifting the external so that I'm, I'm living in a way that feels really aligned. So that's kind of like on a, I don't know, breaking it down sense, establishing my values, then, you know, creating my external life to map, to mirror my insights. Um, on a day-to-day basis, what does that look like? So um, part of it is definitely 
both my husband and I, we really are, one of our goals is to allow more space in our lives to actually just enjoy life. So getting outside and living more like, um, I don't know, we both run our own businesses specifically so that we can try and work less so that we can live more. Um, so I think that's a big part of my values and how in the day to day I do work a lot. And so my goal is to continue shifting that so that I can live more, so I can invest in family more, so I can invest in um, just doing life, going for coffee, walk, taking a walk. Um, and again, I'm not an expert in this by any means, but it's putting those things that I prioritize and that that feel really important to me. Even having a slow morning, that's one I'm actually very good at and that I've prioritized a lot because I, I burnt out in different seasons because, yeah. you know, we're encouraged to get up, get going, work, blah, 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 et cetera. Um, and so for me, a really big priority is being able to have a slow morning. So that means I don't take calls most of the time in the morning. I have a cup of coffee or a matcha. I sit on my couch and I just enjoy the quiet of the morning for a significant period of time, allowing my brain to really decompress and just zone out, even if that feels good. And because we are bombarded with so much, um, just, just so much, we're bombarded with a lot. (laughs) And I think it's important to create those spaces in our days. Um, as kids, we naturally have times when we just zone out or when we, you know, just get outside and do nothing and, you know, whatever it is. And as adults, we don't always prioritize that. So that's something I do prioritize. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just finding space so that I am working to live versus the opposite. But then at the same time, I also enjoy my work. So it's also just cultivating a work life that feels really life-giving for me. It's not based on hustle. It's not based on, um, the constraints that a typical nine to five or, you know, nine to nine or whatever, (laughs) whatever it is not based off of that, but instead it's based on, well, how can I serve the people that I enjoy serving? How can I do work that brings me life? Um, and yeah, just, just creating that in a way that feels really good. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, said a few things there that I want to touch on. Um, yeah. The first was kind of this, um, I, I've, I wrote it down as structured, unstructured time. I think we do get yeah. at it like as children all the time, but we don't, we don't make time for that unstructured time. And I say structured, unstructured, because we, we have to set time aside or, or maybe we aren't, um, we aren't doing it because it's not top of mind because it's, it's, it's not something that we're prioritizing. So we, we do have to mm-hmm. prioritize it way but yeah there's always something to do like we can always fill our time so you have to say okay i'm going to actually turn things off otherwise we don't yeah Yeah. and we'll just sit in the chaos rather than (laughs) trying to find um, some reprieve from it so i i think that that's i i really love that i love work less live more um but you also talked about finding work that that gives you life and Mm -hmm. um i'm but curious from just your journey in general, how did you find work that gives you life? How did you, how did you come across uh, and, and come to build that business mm-hmm. that gives you that life? 
Yeah, um, I love this question. So for me, I have actually just always enjoyed the different things that I've put, I think, my energy into. So I, in high school, even I, I started a photography business and then I went to school for graphic design and spent um, more of my like initial adult career in graphic design and marketing. And I would say that my work, I have generally always enjoyed um, what I don't enjoy and what I found that I have had to reclaim, which a large part of my message now as a coach is, is reclamation and self-reclamation. And uh, for me, what I noticed it was the constraints on what work was supposed to look and feel like. So specifically in graphic design and marketing, once I got into that career, um, <clears throat> There was a lot more of like, oh, this is kind of you get a job and it looks like this, even if that doesn't feel good for you. Or this is how we market. And oh, even if a client asks you something and it's, you know, way late at night or on the weekend, you have to answer right away. And like there were just norms that I had to adhere to in order to be in the career. And that was kind of like ultimately what what ended up kind of spinning out additional you know layers were included in that but what i've had to do since then is to kind of reclaim and strip back the narratives of what work is supposed to look like strip back the beliefs around what it looks like to run your own business as well um and for me when i chose to pivot my career and switch over to life coaching and I do a decent amount of business consulting as well. But when I chose to make that pivot, it was really noticing the through line of my passion, which was to help people and to help them see the best in themselves, to kind of remind them of what's possible for them. So in photography, it was really like, I want people to see themselves the way that I see them. I want people to see the beauty in each and every moment. And then in graphic design and marketing, it was really wanting to help people fulfill their dreams. So kind of like pulling the threads of that into, oh, I can do this actually in a different field that will feel a little bit more supportive for me because marketing just uh, had so much structure around it that I felt like I wasn't able to strip back some of the labels. And this is just for me, other people might be able to do that. But for me, it was a uh, very difficult. Um, so when I pivoted, it just allowed me to kind of recreate a new work structure, a new business that actually was more in alignment for me. So yeah, does that answer that question? Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, what, it, what it sounds like to me is you've always found value and, and joy in offering that different perspective. The, the mm -hmm. way that people don't necessarily see themselves or, or you know, with graphic design or, or marketing, it's designing that to look, you know, a, a different perspective from what maybe someone has in mind or to, you, to reach a target audience that maybe had not previously been reached in that market. I mean, there's a lot of pieces there, but, I, but all of it for me uh, sounds like it's coming back to allowing those different perspectives to shine through and empowering uh, people to see themselves through that different perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love the like that empowerment bit. I feel like so much of our world disempowers us. Yeah. And so whenever we have the opportunity to take that power back, it's it can be life changing, like completely life changing. So yeah, very much so. Well, talk to us a little bit more about the reclamation piece, because, uh, you know, you've described yourself, which I think is amazing as a reclamation queen. And what does that look like? <laughs> and what, you know, how do you how do you help others really reclaim you know, those pieces that, that they need to be successful. Yeah. So for me, 
when I, so with my, my, I had, I owned a marketing agency for a season and in that experience, I had a business partner and ultimately that, that was one of my failures is it ended up, um, the business partnership didn't go well. A lot of my codependent patterns really came up in that business partnership and then, you know, if you have a codependent person, sometimes there's a, a more powerful presence in that as well. Like just dynamics stuff happened. It was, it was not awesome. So from that experience, that was really where I became aware of my people pleasing tendencies, the labels that I had grown accustomed to, um, that were causing me a lot of pain. And that ultimately resulted in a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I call it a failure. I don't think anything is necessarily a failure because we do learn so much from it. But in that experience, I just became so aware of, of the things that I had adhered to that weren't supporting me, essentially. And so I took about a year where I, I still did some work. Um, and thankfully, my, my husband's business was doing really well at the time. But I had to kind of take some time off after closing that business and evaluate who am I in this world? What exactly am I doing? Ultimately that resulted in the kind of my my career pivot, but I, I had to look at the labels. I had to look at the beliefs that I had adhered to, including my religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs and notice as well, the people I surrounded myself with. Are these people actually supporting me to live in a way that is empowering for me or are they encouraging me to live within a con construct that they think is good? Um, and so I had to really like, oh, is there even a good and bad? Look, looking at all that. So for me, reclamation became kind of my mantra in that season where I was reclaiming who is Megan? Who is this person? Who do I want to be? Um, and so with my work now, as I coach folks, it's really this empowering journey of, oh, who are you now? What things do you adhere to now? And then who do you want to be in the world? Because that's the other piece of it is we can take a, a really beautiful look at who you are at your core. And then we also get to take a look at who you desire to be because today doesn't have to look like tomorrow. A lot of times we think that it does, but it doesn't have to. We get to choose what we bring to each day. So it's just the journey that I walk clients through, it is peeling back those layers. It's looking at the stories. It's looking at the beliefs and noticing where there's actually other possibility than expanding that to be like, oh, actually, there's a whole different lens that you could look at the world from that may be more empowering. It may give you more choice. It may give you more possibility so that you can then show up in the world as who you desire. So the dreams and the desires that you've had burning deep inside, we can actually bring those to life. Um, so that's kind of what reclamation is all about for me is it's just this journey of, of coming home to who you are and who you desire to be and actually living that out. Um, because I, again, I believe our power is always ours. It's always been there, but society and our world around us sometimes, uh, convinces us that it's not ours. And so we have the power then to reclaim it and take it back. I think that's, that's truly amazing. And this idea around, there was uh, essentially, we talked about pivot points earlier, but there was a pivot point where mm -hmm. you could have continued down the, the path that was not working 
and mm -hmm. the um, it sounds like some pretty uh, negative people who were supposed to be your support and supposed to be on your side who maybe weren't or didn't have your best interest in mind. Maybe they had their own. Mm -hmm. um, and you you know, made with, I'm sure a little bit of fear and a little bit of trepidation, but you made the choice to say, I'm going to find out who I am and I'm going to find mm -hmm. out. What me. How do you feel like you worked through that fear and how, how do you help others do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So <clears throat> in coaching, one of the things that I find to be the most challenging, I suppose, <clears throat> is when we do look at, sorry, I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. Please. <laughs> like I said, it's organic. <laughs> this is really Totally, totally. <clears throat> yeah, so fear. Okay, so within coaching, or I, I, I guess I'll start in life. So in life, we, we all reach these points, right, where we have pivot points. We, we can, we have choices and, um, sometimes our choices are large choices and sometimes they're small. We face them every single day, how we're going to approach something. And when something like fear comes up, which absolutely did, it, it hit me quite frequently and it was debilitating at times. And a lot of folks I think can identify with that. Um, ultimately it comes down to, well, you can, can, you can kind of submit to the fear and keep living the way that you were. But I think at sometimes we reach a point when that's not even a choice anymore, right? Where it's like, we, I, we have to, like, we have to choose ourselves. We, we reach, and that's kind of what it led to for me is I had had a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I chose things that weren't necessarily the most supportive. And I did that over and over again. And then I reached a point where there was no other option except choosing myself. I mean, there was an option, but it was like it for me, I was suddenly like, oh, I'm going to crumble or I can make a new choice. I'm going to crumble or, you know, and that's like, I don't know. I think that's just one of the most powerful choices that a person can make when you when you do reach that point. Um, but fear. So in coaching, that is one of the kind of reframes that I think is really beautiful is it's just this recognition of like, oh, if you're facing fear or if you're facing something like, I'm trying to think of a good example, kind of like a, a, a conflict within yourself, like, oh, I could choose this or I could choose this, but it, I don't know. The one option kind of feels bad or it feels not awesome, like fear or like, um, guilt even. Um, and so you're facing this thing, right? And you have another option that you, you do know it's better, but you're still somehow for some reason feeling conflicted between these two things. And in coaching, there's a, a term that we use where it's like, well, is anything less than the good choice? Like is, and is anything less than, um, freedom sure. actually like, is, is anything less than that actually worth going for? Mm. Is anything less than, you know, the opposite of fear, whatever that looks like for you. So it's like those conflicts within yourself is anything less than choosing a more positive perspective actually 
living is anything less than dreaming for yourself. Like all, all of that, you can kind of swap that out with anything, but it's, I think for me, that's kind of what I reached at that time. And I wasn't familiar with any, you know, particular rhetoric, but it was just, I reached a point where it's like, is anything less than choosing myself actually worth it anymore? Is anything less than choosing a new career actually worth it for me anymore? And that switch in my brain allowed me to move through the fear and allowed me to move through the difficult experiences of having to make new friendships, of having to, you know, lose some folks in my life that were previously powerful forces um, in my experience. Um, but that's that's just kind of one way of looking at, I suppose, but that's kind of what's coming up for me right now. How does that land? I, I think it lands well. Yeah. I think this, you, you put it so eloquently, but this idea of essentially is, is there anything less than, is there anything less than freedom that's worth it? Is there anything less than just living your life that mm -hmm. is worth this struggle, this, this fear? Like I'm sitting in this fear because I can't, I feel like there's no way out, but there is a way out. And if there is there a way is, out, yeah. why am I not, why am I not grabbing the rope? right? Mm -hmm. The rope is here. Why am I not reaching? Yeah. It? Yeah. And sometimes we get to a point when we can't see the rope. Sure. And I think that's also where like having a support system is so important of some kind and recognizing that there is support, like whether it is a therapist or a coach or a family member, or, you know, maybe a long lost friend that you haven't even talked to. Like there are people. And even when we can't see them, there is a rope. And I think that's also important to recognize is sometimes we don't fully see it, but that's where like expanding possibility, I think is huge where we can recognize, oh, there's a whole lens that I haven't even been seeing and haven't been aware of because of my worldview, because of the way that I see the world. Um, and that's where having, I think, different perspectives around you is really beautiful. And also where I don't love social media these days, but I think we're seeing other people's perspectives can actually be really expansive. Um, because it allows us to say, oh, I didn't realize that perspective even existed. That obviously means that there are additional perspectives even that I'm unaware of. And there are additional ropes that are there that I could reach out to, like, and that I could reach out for that I may not be aware of. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that does go back, like you said, to the differing perspectives, but I think it's a good segue to a question that I had, which is you mentioned having a support group that was not supportive. And it sounds like, yeah. you know, certainly for all of us, I think, and I think especially within the pandemic, we realized like the community that we need and the mm -hmm. support that we need. And I'm curious for you, um, how did you find that support? What does that look like for you now? What does that community look like for you now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in my experience, part of my um, reclamation and in that season specifically was also deconstructing my faith and my uh, belief system around religion. So for me, a lot of the folks that I thought um, were there for me unconditionally when I was deconstructing my faith um, just became unsafe and became, um, I, I realized that they were like if I did not fit within their belief system, I wasn't really um, welcome anymore. And so that was huge because I had grown up in evangelical fundamental Christianity and I went to an evangelical, like that's where I met my husband in college at an evangelical Christian college. So anyways, 
that was like a huge um, hit for a, like not every relationship, everyone was unique, um, but for a lot of folks in my life at the time. And so with that, it was, it was really difficult, quite honestly. And there is still ongoing grief when I realized, oh, this person is no longer and the person that I previously trusted in my life. Um, but the person, so I, I was very, I, I suppose, lucky or, or blessed or whatever term you want to use that um, my husband did kind of go through his deconstruction at the same time when it came to our faith. So we both did have each other. I also hired a coach <laughs> and my coach was honestly the person who saw me through a lot of it. Um, she had had some similar experiences, which allowed her to be able to mirror a lot of goodness back into me because it was a lot of me also deconstructing messages of um, being broken, being unworthy, being in need of saving, things like that. So my coach was able to mirror a lot of goodness and power back to me, empowerment, kind of going back to that. But um, and now over you know the course of a number of years, I have been able to rebuild a whole new support system and establish um, healthier relationships with some of the folks that are still in my life because it was wobbly. When you switch your belief system, it you know it takes folks in your life. It, it does take some time to get used to. Oh, Megan's a slightly different person than who she was. There's going to be people that people that are okay with that and not, and so the people that are okay with that or have gotten on board over time, those people, it's been a lot of develop, like learning how to have a new relationship with this new version of me. Um, so there's those folks. And then there's a lot of new relationships that are um, just incredibly beautiful. And I think that's the other piece about when you do choose yourself and when you do reach that pivot point, you don't even know what's ahead. And it can be incredibly beautiful. And that's where I have been able to establish completely new and more beautiful relationships and, and deep relationships than I've ever had before. But I never would have known that before. I never would have known that that's what I, what's ahead of me. And sometimes we assume failure or we assume negative consequences, not realizing that the opposite could be possible, not realizing that it could be all, like it could be goodness that's ahead of us. Um, so yeah, when it, I don't even remember what your initial question was because I kind of rambled a lot there. No, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's the relationship piece. <laughs> no, but, it, yeah. It, yeah, it was it was around that support and 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 essentially losing that and and find essentially refinding that in in other mm -hmm. ways. Yeah, and I think you spoke to that beautifully, and I'm I I also am I, 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 I'm looking at this deconstruction that you talked about, and yeah, I'm struck by a conversation I had maybe an hour ago about how you a deconstruction without reconstruction doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It causes more harm. And so yeah. for you to reconstruct, reclaim, build up that support group in a different way. And also frankly, to have your husband who also you know had to go through his own deconstruction mm -hmm. and reconstruction. I, I'm sure that was, I'm sure at times, again, going back to the fear, it was probably scary for both of you. And I'm sure at times yeah. it was really, um, again, empowering and enlightening for you to ha just have like, oh, we are we're both feeling this mm -hmm. and and experiencing this at the same time. And I, I just think that that's um, I, I think it's great that you had each other because because I know that there are people that that may not feel that way, right? And and the totally, other piece, yeah. The other piece that you mentioned was things can be we can think of things as potentially being negative, and mm -hmm. they turn out to be positive. And I think 
sometimes it's because we're only imagining one scenario, right? Yeah. We are saying, if we do this, if this, then that. But mm -hmm. really, it's if this, then this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And we mm -hmm. have not trained our minds to go, well, there are a lot of alternatives here. And the negative, quote unquote, reaction that maybe we're expecting may actually be the positive reaction that we need, right? Eliminating mm -hmm. some of those toxic, manipulative people out of your life. Yes. It, it may be a fear of like losing that relationship, but ultimately that has created some of that growth. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. And I, I love what you're saying too. Like it's essentially the, the cause and effect mentality too. And the more often we can like, sometimes we put ourselves at the effect end of the equation where we think everything is happening to us. And I think that's part of it as well. It is like that power piece. So when we are looking at things and we assume the negative, often it's because we're putting ourselves in that effect. It's like, oh, right. the world's against me. Everything's, you know, in it, it, life can just feel really, really hard. And when we do flip that and we can put ourselves back at the cause end of the equation, it's like, oh, I actually have choice. Oh, there's actually other possibilities. Oh, there's other ways that this could unfold. And um, absolutely, yes to the the piece of sometimes the, the, the hard thing that we think may be impossible to move through could actually be some of the best. Yeah. Like, one of the best things that could happen to us. And that's even like when I do look back at some of these experiences, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. And yeah, they sucked. Like they were awful. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think I missed you there. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That, that happens like once or twice a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I'm curious from the religious perspective, from the faith perspective, but but just in general, um, as someone who's also shifted faith and and had to you know kind of reconcile that, um, mm -hmm. I'm curious if you felt your values, core values, or, or or values maybe that you were taught, or did did those shift at all with that kind of transformation? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've sat with this one before and in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, like I can remember when I in when I was in the midst of that and I hired, it was my first coach every time, my first time ever hiring a coach. And one of the questions she asked me was, what is your truth? And at that time I wrote down, well, like the only, the only lens that I could see if someone asked me, what is your truth? was, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, blah, 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 blah. Like, cause that was what I was so in. And now if someone asks, asks me my truth, it's completely different. So that's where it's, I think my truth has shifted. A lot of my core values though, I don't know that they've shifted per se. Like integrity is really huge for me. The whole, like, I still desire to, you know, work to live. And there's, you know, the, I'm trying to think of some of my, the actual words that I have in my values. List. I don't actually keep a values list per se. It's yeah. more so in my head and I, I feel it. Um, and like, I have different visions of it. Um, but I would say that those are honestly, they've shifted some in how they look in my life because I'm aware of new possibilities of how they can look right. and how they can feel. But I would say, the core of them is still the same because I, I think that's something as humans, like 
we can change. And also I think our essence often stays the same. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to provide a a specific answer on that one because I don't truly know. (laughs) And I I think what you provided is, uh, is something that I think is pretty familiar with anybody who's who's gone through that type of transformation and and whether that's fate or whether that's family or or whatever, but this transformation of I'm no longer the, uh, I no longer am tied to everything I was taught as a child. Right. And Mm -hmm. I I think we all get to that point in in some ways, but I think some of us more than others based on the just life happening. And and, and I would say, I would echo your, I, I like what you said about the essence stays the same. And I think that many of our values do stay the same. And even if the value itself feels like it's shifted, it's like the uh, how do I phrase this? Like the idea behind the value stays, right? Like yes. you value yeah. love and you value faith and you value integrity. Like you said, mm-hmm. that may look different from when you valued those things from Correct. a yeah. concept, but ultimately those things remain values. They just shift the way they look again, a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I even think of, um, I like that you mentioned faith as, as a value. Like I would stay, say that I'm still a very spiritual person. I know right. some people swing very, you know, they swing from one side to the other side. Um, but I would say I personally am still a very spiritual person, but it's more so reaching back to when I was a child and my understanding of God, like I, I had heard the dogma and stuff, but at my core, I had this, you know, spiritual connection with nature. And I loved like, there was like a thing that I had with, I don't know. And even like with music, I can feel the music and I can feel that energy. That part is still there. And that value of this, I don't know, universal connection in some way, that's still there. I would have put language to it differently then. And it would have been more boxed in. Oh, oh, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And now it's a little more expanded and open again, like expanding those possibilities. Sometimes we like our boxes and that can be supportive, but sometimes we need to blow the boxes out of the water. (laughs) And so, yeah, now it looks different, but that essence of it is still there. Absolutely. I I, I think that you're spot on with that. And I would echo that that has been my uh, journey as well. Like like keeping some of those core tenets, but that the actual uh, kind of where they come from can, can Mm -hmm. shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious just in uh, this can be in life. This can (laughs) be as a, as a coach. Um, But you know, as you've kind of gone through this reclamation process, is there anything that surprised you uh, that has, uh, and again, whether that was something that you've found by working with someone or something that you've found by just reclaiming yourself. Hmm. Anything that surprised me. I, I think all of it has surprised me quite honestly. Um, again, if we go back to the very beginning of our conversation, when I was younger, like I had a very, um, I was very driven. And so I kind of had a a lens on how I thought my life should go. And I think, you know, a lot of folks, we can have that where we think this is where it's going to go. And then something happens and our whole life shifts and changes. So I think all of it has been a surprise. Um, But also in the same way, it hasn't like, I think there has always been this sense of, of purpose and of meaning that has continued the 
the way it's come about is completely different than I ever expected. And it continues to unfold and it, it's so much different than what I expected. But I think that's kind of part of, if you think of that bliss part, um, I think that's that's part of the bliss of life is it does get to look different. Life would be so boring if we knew each and every step along the way. Um, so surprise to a certain extent, I think gets to be part of the bliss. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned not just the surprise, but also learning from the the missteps, right? I mean, mm-hmm. all of that, I think, brings out that bliss because you can't, I've been having this conversation with a couple of people on the podcast, but I don't think it's possible to find bliss if you haven't had the trials that, that let you know kind of where that that edge is or where that where where mm-hmm. that bottom is is which what you were kind of talking about earlier um i don't know that you can have true bliss if you've not experienced defeat in some way mm. yeah that's an interesting concept for sure i i don't know if you're into human design at all yep. <clears throat> but yeah okay so i'm a three five profile so i'm like here to make mistakes that's my job <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it is interesting to think of the concept because i do wonder then for folks um who maybe they're not here for trial and error, but I wonder if they can also learn from the mistakes of others and mm-hmm. find bliss mm-hmm. in the wisdom that comes from other folks' experiences as well. That's right. just something that kind of came to mind when you were saying that is like, I think we can all learn in different ways and gather wisdom in different ways as well. Um, though I think the failure is a very impart- important part of the human journey. It's just everyone right. takes in that failure in different ways potentially. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. Like, uh, and yeah, I don't, because I, I say that, and then I also think we've also discussed a lot on the podcast recently about like childlike awe, and mm. when you're a child, you don't necessarily know that defeat, right? And so, yeah. and you are still able to feel that bliss. So I, I agree. Like, I think there is maybe that's maybe that's a purely uh, adult thing as you lose, you know, uh, that. yeah that awe like i like maybe that has to be replaced with like experience that brings that out but i do think there is there is a world we live in where like you can have bliss and have never really like been down and out i guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's that's interesting yeah i feel like the mystery is also part of the bliss is i think sometimes we lose our sense of bliss if we're not open to mystery and, and curiosity um, because I, I don't know, like, and I think that's where, if we're going back to the faith conversation, the fundamentalism that I grew up with in the boxes, the more I became aware of those boxes, the more it stripped away my bliss, at least in my experience. I know some people like the structure, but for me, it stripped away the bliss. And, and the more I open up to mystery and possibility and, and that curiosity, it actually increases the bliss. It increases that awe and wonder because, excuse me, yeah, I don't know, because it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It just, it, yeah, for me, I I think I'm, I'm on that, in that same boat, like there, the having less structure, having less boundaries and barriers feels like there's a lot more possibility and that Mm possibility, the possibility just by itself feels blissful, feels joyful. Yeah, yeah, totally. You, um, you mentioned that when you work with, with folks that you, essentially ask them, who do you want to be in the world? And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to flip that. Who do you want to be in the world? Who do I want to be in the world? Hmm. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) 
Well, I think that goes back to your initial question, honestly, of the learning to live well. Um, Who do I want to be in the world? I want to be someone who does learn how to live well and who also supports other people in living well. I think that's a really big passion of mine is I do. I love supporting people and I love learning how to support people even better so that they can live well. And I, I want to dream big and I want to help other people dream big. Um, and that's really who I want to be in the world, at least at this stage. And I think, you know, any year of my life, you could probably ask me that question and it would sound a little bit different. It would probably have those through lines and threads that, you know, come about, but asking me in this moment, that's really what, that's what comes up for me. What you're saying is also, you know, that life itself and certainly who you want to be in the world is, is malleable. And it's, it is dictated by our experiences. It's dictated by, you know, our goals and our values and all of that. And I think that, like you said, it, it can, it can be different at any point. Right. And, and I think that that's, um, I think that's not only true, I think it's necessary because we're, we just talked about it. We're not the same people that we were when we were Mm -hmm. children and that changes that perspective again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of themes here, which I love. Um, but it does change that perspective of how do we want to give to the world? How do we want to be seen in it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Um, something just popped in my head and now I lost it, but it was, I'm trying to think if I can hear, remember it. <clears throat> it's not coming back to me, but <laughs> if it does, feel free to just jump in with it. Um, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, which wow, that that flew by. Um, I, I just have a couple of uh, additional questions. The first is, how if you had to boil it down, boil down advice for how others can find bliss in learning how to live well. What advice would you give them? Hmm. advice while learning how to live well. Um, I think, and again, I keep tying things back to what we've talked about, but what comes to mind is just that mystery and awe we were just talking about. And really when we're in the midst of learning how to live well, usually that means there are some tricky spaces that we're navigating, right? And I think there's just so much beauty in recognizing that we're never going to get there and that's okay. That's part of the journey. That's part of life and being human. And how can we embrace that more? How can we embrace the mystery and the curiosity more? Because when we take a step back, that's when we see the possibilities as well. Like when we're close up and we're trying to live well, it's probably not even trying. Trying isn't the right word because when we're trying, we're forcing, we're trying, we're, we're clinging. And, you know, it's that kind of uh, almost that scarcity energy of like, oh, I have to try and live well. And that's actually not living well. And it's when we release and we allow that awe and the curiosity that the possibility emerges and the answers, the quote unquote answers, because I don't know that there's ever one specific answer, but the answers kind of make themselves known to us in that moment of what does it look like to live well right now? What does it look like for me to live well in this moment? Um, but until we release the kind of grip that we have on it, it doesn't be become clear. So that's, I would say, how you find bliss in living well is it's that release of, of not trying to figure it out necessarily, but allowing it to come to you. 
we never reach the end. And so we just, we just continue the journey. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that that's, we'll never gain all the knowledge. We'll never, you know, and that's okay. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's accepting that. And like you said, it's, it's, it's letting go of, I have to, I, it's letting go of the, I have tos. I mean, Mm -hmm. for a lot of it. Right. Yeah. I have tos, the, I shoulds, all of that. Yeah. I will say also something that just came to mind as you were saying that too, is I know for some folks looking at life as we're never going to figure out all the answers, like that can be really overwhelming and frustrating. Um, And I think it's also important to recognize that we can realize specific goals. And sometimes we need those to give us purpose in the now and to give us purpose. And I I would say like, I know I love that. I love establishing goals for myself and like surpassing them. Like that's great. And that's where like some, we're not going to know everything, but we can know some things. Yeah. And if it's curious for you to learn about something and to set a goal about learning a specific topic or, you know, reaching a specific goal, go for it. Like that's, part of the journey as well. And that's learning how to live well is it's recognizing those inner drives within us and moving towards those. Um, yeah. So I wanted to like insert that there as well. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, I certainly wouldn't want it to, to come off as like, Hey, just, just go, uh, go about aloof and, uh, you know, not <laughs> nonchalant on everything. No, I think that having goals, but what you said more importantly is having specific goals and achievable goals. Um, because that I think trips people up sometimes is, is not having those specific goals or those goals that are truly achievable. Mm, yeah. Um, and not to say that you can't reach for the stars. Go ahead, reach for That's them. That's true. Uh, yeah, I was. I was just thinking. Well, there's, there's both, both but, but, holding both ends. <laughs> yeah, and I think with that, it's, it's recalibrating if that doesn't feel like it is going mm-hmm. to make it right. It's not, it's not um, perseverating on it, right? Mm. But because when, when you perseverate on it, and it, and nothing changes, right? Nothing has changed that makes it more achievable. Then it just feels like it's out there as one of those barriers in my, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And sometimes we need the smaller goals to help us remember what is possible too. Is like, Oh yes. Especially if you've had some failures, having those smaller goals is really like, that can be really important to be like, Oh yes, I can do this. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I like knocked that goal. Okay, great. Now I have three goals under my belt. Let's reach for the stars. Like let's yeah. go for something harder now. <laughs> get, get some yeah. of those small wins. Absolutely. And totally. celebrate them. Don't, ju- don't, just, don't just push through them. Like celebrate those small wins. Those are wins too. And hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's, I think speaking to myself when I say rein it in just a little bit, just a little bit, we don't have to, you know, we can set those high goals, but just, you know, I'm, I'm a goal oriented person. So I, I also am speaking to myself when I say it's okay to, to celebrate those, those small things. Totally. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, it's a good reminder for me. Um, well, this has been uh, an absolutely lovely conversation. I've really enjoyed this. I, I, I feel a lot of talked about energy. I feel a lot of energy from this conversation. I feel really mm jazzed and, and energized from it. Um, and, and really last question is just, what would you like to promote? What would I like to promote? Well, I obviously am a coach. We've talked about that. <laughs> so I love to work with folks one-on-one. So I have availability currently in my one-on-one schedule. And then um, I also have an upcoming program. My Reclamation is Ours program is going to be enrolling. It's a group coaching program and that's enrolling um starting in mid July, August, and then we're actually kicking off in September. And then I also have a creative business accelerator and we'll start a cohort of that in 
January. So that's a little ways away, um, but that's kind of for those creative folks, for the mystics, for the makers, the, the creative business folks who maybe want to do dip, like business a little bit differently than what we're told. So, yeah. That's awesome. And we will make sure all of that gets into the show notes as well. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely put the, the website in there too. Uh, but Megan, once again, it has been an absolute delight for me. And, and thank you so much for, for joining today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really fun conversation. So love it. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll see you all next time on What's Your Bliss. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at YourBlissPod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. Podcast.